0: what's up everybody welcome to another episode of all out war i'm turner and i'm in the studio live in person with rosie what's up rosie
1: what is up
0: how are you doing man good (laughs) i want to say i'm tired i know we are tired man we're doing marathon work here at the podcast uh i don't see you for like in person for like three months and then i finally see you and then we just like rock it out we just record 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 yeah So, uh, anyways, man, we have a really good episode today. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Uh, We have a returning guest, and we'll get into that in just a second, but uh, what do you know, man?
1: Hey, did you know that Costco is the 14th largest pizza chain in America?
0: (laughs) No, I didn't know that. Yeah. It kind of makes sense to me, though. Yeah.
1: It said uh, it has over 700 locations (laughs) in uh, in the 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 food courts, you know, because they have the food courts. It's uh, technically bigger than California Pizza Kitchen. Wow. And almost as big as CC's. Wow. Just the pizza. And
0: this is Costco. Yeah. So because they have, because so many people go to Costco. Can you imagine if they delivered? Oh, yeah. They'd be, good. and their pizzas are actually pretty good. It is it is good. And you get a lot for your it says, money. Yeah.
1: Uh, Two bucks a slice, 10 bucks for 18-inch wide pizza. You can't beat that.
0: No, that's a great price. Yeah
1: and yeah it's good pizza
0: it's worth driving by if i lived close to a costco i'd probably go get one my my kids love pizza man yeah they house some pizza
1: what are you talking about all the pizza it better be uh...
0: <laughs> they like the cheese pizza they like that. <laughs> that's terrible man uh, oh dude so uh we have a great guest we should yes. just jump right into this because yeah. it's a lot this is a this is a technical political one it's a lot of fun though and you need to pay attention it's very important it's important extremely
1: important we uh, just remember you heard it here that's right before uh, you we heard it here in october that's right we were talking about it october 19 october 2019 and uh this is gonna mark your calendars big stuff's gonna come from the stuff that we were talking about, yeah, here, or our guest is talking about, we're not doing anything. Yeah, he, but <laughs> but he is.
0: <laughs> he just decided that he'd allow himself to come onto our show. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're right. It's gonna shape the future. Um, what, what what's going on with our next guest? What he's doing with his work? So, like in a big way. Yeah, and I'm glad. So, anyways, I would say sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy.
2: You're listening to the All Out War Podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's uh, Rosie, not Turner, talking. And uh, we are here with my good friend, uh, John Schweppe. Uh, He was on, uh, I had to pull this up because I don't remember stuff, episode 57 on October 6th. So quite a while since he's been here and real quick, I'll just, uh, he is works for the American principles project and he is the director of policy. I couldn't remember that cause I accidentally closed your Twitter. <laughs> I had to think about that. Deep. But, uh, yeah, so he's the director of policy at the American principles project, um, which is a nonprofit think tank. They're super conservative, super, uh, you know, great, great place. So they're not some weird, uh, think tank doing weird stuff, but, uh, anyways, so, I'll I'll bring it back. Uh, thanks for coming, John. I'm not good (laughs) at this.
2: No, thanks for having me on guys. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, right before we started, uh, airing, uh, started recording, uh, you might remember John as, uh, my friend, the friend who, uh, flipped the coin, and, that's uh, right. I forgot. He, he did determined, that's right. he determined the sex of our child and he had asked what the child is. And since, so I want to make him feel bad. And, uh, since he determined that it was a girl, we, uh, adopted China's policy and uh, got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my that's God. on you. That's on you, man. You, <laughs> you it's, got, called, uh, it's called the Schweppi effect. <laughs> the Schweppi effect. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's still alive somewhere, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, put it in a Dropbox. Yeah, but okay. So uh, to start it off, we didn't. We started talking about this stuff last uh, year when you were on, but my recollection was we didn't really get to get into it on the podcast because of it, this stuff that just it just hadn't happened yet, or it wasn't time to talk about it. Um, so, you've been doing, you guys have been doing, and you in particular have been doing a lot of stuff um, with Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, um, which is big because Trump's been tweeting about it recently. It's been a huge, well, he's been doing more than that, which you can go into about that. But uh, um, yeah, man. So, how about you uh, catch us up? What's going on? You were also, uh, like, the day after you were on our podcast, you blew up on Twitter. <laughs> about uh something so how about you start there and then just go wherever you want to go man
2: yeah no so that (laughs) that was a fun story because uh you know we were following this uh uh, debacle with the nba and china and how um you know there are these hong kong protesters remember that that was so long ago um (laughs) hong kong protesters in china and you know they were they were protesting for freedom and democracy and the NBA was being really weak about it and just kind of kowtowing to China. None of our players or coaches felt comfortable criticizing China in any way. So you had this, like the wokest league in professional sports, the NBA, which is constantly criticizing domestic policy here in the U S unwilling to even condemn China's concentration uh, Mm -hmm. for, for religious minorities. So like, You know, we had this this huge hypocrisy there. And there was a game in, um, this was all during the preseason, but there was a game in Philadelphia. And um, a couple uh, uh, Chinese-Americans, maybe they are from Hong Kong, at one point, but they um, brought uh, a protest sign to the game at Philadelphia. They were up in, like, the upper deck. And uh, NBA security escorted them out of the the arena, kicked them out. So there was a nice little news blurb about it. And, um, you know, me and a couple of my friends were talking about it. And we were like, well, wow, we should go do the same thing here in Washington. And so we went and checked the schedule. And lo and behold, the very next night, they were there's the same Chinese team playing in Washington, D.C. So we were like, uh, well, we're going. So um, I ended up, uh, uh, we got really nice tickets because it was the preseason, but we wanted to make a statement and get attention. And so we um, bought seats right behind the basket and uh, went down there like, um, and then when the national anthem began, the Chinese national anthem, actually, we unfurled a large, uh, free Hong Kong banner. And of course everybody descended <laughs> on us. And so I filmed that and, you know, posted it to Twitter thinking, you know, oh, this might get like a hundred retweets. Like this will be fine. And it did, as you said, it blew up like, um, the video, I mean, it's gone now cause I, I'm an idiot and I delete all my tweets, but it had like 2 million views and like was just in every news publication across the country. It was just the wildest thing. So it was a lot of fun and and I I was happy because we got to expose the NBA for their hypocrisy. And now, you know, it's hard to, every time an NBA player or coach like criticizes American policy, you're seeing that right now actually, Mm -hmm. with the riots and all that, um, you know, people bring up like, and you guys can't even criticize China, like how do you have any authority to talk here? So that I feel that feels pretty good. Like I feel like it was mission accomplished in a way.
1: And you got to go on Tucker, which is cool.
2: (laughs) Oh, so fun! I love him. He uh, (laughs) he's just like he is on camera, except except a little bit zanier. Yeah. Um, But he's just so friendly, and like it, it had me a little bit intimidated because he's just such a big personality. And you go into that little small studio, and you know he's talking to his producer, but he's just like hyped and. And I'm nervous as heck. So it was really, it was a lot of fun.
1: Sweet, man. Yeah, that was cool. It was cool scene that, like, right the next day. I was like, oh,
2: my God, that's, that's John. <laughs> oh, but um, I actually, the funny thing is I sold it to my wife, and I kid you not, like, this is before any of it blew up. I sold it to her saying, honey, like, I know this is annoying. You know, we have an infant at home, uh, too, actually. At the, and um, and I was like, like look, this I I, I could actually get on Fox. I'm not kidding you. And She's like, okay. Okay. And so like it happens. And she's like, you know, she was like annoyed because I was getting calls and like, I didn't get home till like one or two. Like I went to the office to handle a lot of it. And, uh, (laughs) and so she's just like, Oh, okay. And then the next morning she's like, wait, like I'm seeing posts about this on my friend's Facebook. I'm like, yeah, no, it really did blow up. It was cool.
1: (laughs) Cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So, uh, so let's talk about, I, I mentioned this before the section two hundred and thirty. um, this is something that you guys have been working on for a while. So can you, and it's been, there's an executive order, like in this realm, uh, just can you go into all that? Just, uh, uh, just talk about section two
2: hundred and thirty, <laughs> please. So, so real quick, I mean, you know, this sounds like the most boring issue in the world, but the basics is, you know, we all know big tech platforms are censoring um conservative opinions and conservative uh authors at this point. Um it's been happening for a long at least since the twenty sixteen election. Um and so, you know, a couple of years ago there was this grassroots effort among conservatives basically saying like, you know, we need to handle this. Like what can we do to kind of like push back on them? And uh people started um talking about Section two thirty. So Section two thirty is a um it was passed as part of an anti-porn bill in the nineties and the anti-porn bill largely got overturned by the Supreme court, but they left this little provision. And the provision says that interactive computer services, I mean, it was 1996 or whatever that (laughs) um, interactive computer services um, get this special immunity where if a a third party posts something on their platform, they can't be held liable for that. Um, It's actually a pretty important, uh, piece of legislation. I mean, if you think about it, because it doesn't make sense uh, that, you know, Twitter should be held liable for something Rosie posts on his pretty hot Twitter feed. Like, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but the issue at play is, okay, well, what if they're acting like, you know, more like a newspaper where they're removing they're choose, they're, you know, picking and choosing what content goes up on their site. Well, in that case, then maybe they shouldn't have that immunity. And so under the law, currently they do get that immunity. Um, and there's been this kind of grassroots effort to say like, no, you guys need to like, you're going to be removing political and, and religious speech. Like, um, Senator Hawley, uh, actually kind of got the ball rolling with this last year. He introduced a bill, um, that was panned by all the conservative organizations and all that except for mine. Um, <laughs> There's a couple others, but, um, but basically it was making it conditional, uh, saying like, look, these, these market dominant tech platforms, like if they're going to get this special immunity, like they need to jump through a lot of hoops and his involved, like the federal trade commission. Um, and you know, so the criticism of it was, Oh, this is big government. Uh, libertarians said that this would curb speech online. And, you know, this kind of start got the ball rolling where people were talking about it. So me, um, you know, at that point, uh, I, I did write, um, a piece in first things defending Holly's bill. I thought it was really good Mm -hmm. in principle. Um, and I just started researching this issue and getting into it more and more. And then I started working with a a friend of mine, Craig partial, who is, um, civil liberties attorney. He's argued cases before the Supreme court, really smart guy. Uh, and, and Craig's been working on these issues for a long time and we got together and we're like, well, let's write something like, let's, let's, let's concoct the perfect um, legislation. So we've, you know, come up with basically a model proposal. Um, in a lot of ways, it's similar to Holly's bill. I mean, this, the idea of making it conditional is the basic um, element of our bill, but, um, we're now shopping it and we have a, a pamphlet coming out next week. And, you know, at this point, like this is just kind of our baby, and, uh, and I'm hoping that it can kind of, um, grow into something. So that was our plan. Like it was like, Oh, everything's Congress, everything's Congress. You know, we knew the white house had been working on an EO on big tech, but you know, it seemed like there wasn't much they could actually do because this is, you know, legislation and the legislation is unconditional. I mean, it just provides immunity to everyone. Um, it seems pretty hard to wiggle your way out of that with an EO, but, credit to the Trump administration. They figured out a way. Um, and they have a pretty, um, interesting interpretation of it. And, uh, we're able to use that to, um, prohibit funds, uh, going to the platforms that are censoring uh, from federal agencies. So it's kind of like a limited application. Um, but this also gets the ball rolling, right? So Trump signing this, like it's a big deal. He's out there tweeting about two thirty, and, uh, And you know, now we're talking about it in Congress again. And you know, there's real pressure now from the white house to actually get something done. So it's not just, you know, Josh Hawley there with his one bill. Um, so I'm really excited. I mean, I think we're, um, we're at a state, a spot where, uh, you know, it's gonna be hard to actually pass anything, but we're certainly seeing momentum on the issue and that that's been really fun because I felt kind of alone on this issue as recently as our last podcast. So, Mm
0: -hmm. So talk, talk, can you talk a little bit about how it would work? Cause yeah. You know.
2: So basically our model for it is um, it would only apply to market dominant platforms, and there's case law that kind of like goes into like what market dominant would be, but we would also um, I'm going to try not to get too wonky on this. We would also <laughs> employ a federal agency to kind of like certify what is market dominant and what isn't. Um, and that wouldn't be the end all be all, that it would help, but basically to, to, to cut it down, we would, uh, create a private right of action, basically allowing people to sue the platforms if their speech would have been protected under the first amendment, mm-hmm. uh, but was removed from their platforms. Mm-hmm. So basically like for the platforms to get this immunity, they have to act like the public square. They have to act like a public side. That's not to say they can't remove obscenity for pornography or death threats or things like that. They absolutely can. But, um, when it comes down to protected speech, um, for them to remove that, they would be putting themselves at legal risk. And, um, you know, it would be cap damages. I mean, we don't want one lawsuit to take down Google, you know, but, um, but it, but it, but it does create a situation where, you know, there's kind of a death by a thousand cuts effect. And, um, you know, it would be a strong incentive for them to modify their behavior because they want that immunity so badly. If they don't have that immunity, you know, there's a situation where, you know, Google could get get taken down by a class action. lawsuit. I mean, there's, um, so they, they do see the immunity as really critical and, uh, we just want to make them earn it. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. We think that, you know, these are market dominant companies. They've really become the true digital public square where, all Americans go to discuss ideas, to engage in politics. So they have a responsibility, and I think if we're going to give them a special, you know, benefit, a special mm-hmm. immunity, they should just, you know, they need they need to to earn it, as I said. Yeah. So
1: I had a, I, I just thought of two questions. So this would be uh, interesting, and you might you might not have an idea. Like right now, um, so basically, like. Okay, I'm just going to say this: Are we ba- we're basically talking about Twitter and Facebook, at least as far as the U.S. is concerned, right? As far as like the being the digital platform, or you know, like the market. Uh, what's the,
2: uh, term? the weird thing? The weird market dominant. The weird thing yeah. about it is like the way it would be applied. So different platforms, you know, there's not just like one market dominant test, because right. then Twitter wouldn't really apply, right? Like mm-hmm. Google's obviously the largest company, Facebook second. Um, and then you can include Amazon because Amazon enjoys two thirty immunity too. So huh. um, you know there's obviously very large, yeah, everybody has it in different aspects. Whoa, really whoa. interesting.
0: Hold on a second. You said Amazon has, has is in this that's right. Is so that anybody,
2: be, anybody sorry, um it, anybody who has user generated content on their platform in any way, enjoys 230 immunity
1: okay so is that like because amazon in the reviews or you know something like that where they're yeah i'm thinking of just where someone can go in and put in their review they could possibly so this is like why amazon would get it someone could possibly put a death threat in there or upload child pornography or something like Mm -hmm. that and amazon can't be liable for uh trafficking child pornography if someone posts it in it place where they allow people to upload a picture even if it's in the, a review, right?
2: They, they they wouldn't be liable civilly. So uh, th- criminally they, there are yeah. Oh, uh, oh Sorry, go
0: what ahead. About finish their, that. What about their web hosting services though? Like say for instance, because I know Amazon's a pretty big uh, AWS. Cert, yeah, yeah, so if they de-platform somebody they make the decision to, to just pull the plug on someone's website it it would it affect that as well?
2: Say a good question. So I think that would be an antitrust concern. I don't know if that has a two thirty application or not. I haven't actually seen um anyone bring it up on that. But but generally this has a very broad broad scope. I mean, yeah. like if you list a product on Amazon and you know, it harms a lot of people or something like that, um obviously, you know, there's there's concerns there and two thirty you know, could be potentially uh, a protection for them Mm -hmm. on that. So, um, no, so, so Amazon, I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know, everybody really enjoys this, And for some, like, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, if I go on Rosie's blog and, you know, um, go after you, (laughs) you know, like, and just say like these things and, and Rosie, uh, you know, doesn't know if it's true or not. So he leaves it up, you know, like, I don't know if Rosie should really be liable in that situation. I mean, maybe, but, 230 protection. And, um, you know, but, but for these large companies that have the market dominance that really can shut out opinion. And, and for me, it's kind of a, um, you know, a pragmatic thing. I mean, they can actually shut us out of the political discourse. Right. Mm -hmm. So like that is where my interest kind of lies. And, um, you know, I think that we have a state interest in preventing that from happening.
1: Yeah, and I, I hate to keep jumping back to this, but I just thought of this as well. So does this, um, and this is just my own curiosity. So if Amazon, because th- actually this was just in the news recently, um, Alex Berenson, the guy that he originally started off as an author, I think he was with the New York Times, and he wrote about, um, he was like anti-weed. He was That was his whole thing about going after the dangers of weed. And he wrote a book called, I can't remember what it's called, like tell your talk about your kids or something. And he had been going uh, off lately with the COVID stuff. Just he blew yep. up. Like I, I followed him maybe at the end of last year for the weed stuff. And he had like eight thousand followers. Now he's got like a hundred something. And he just wrote a book and published it on Amazon and they took it down. They didn't let him self yeah. publish. And I think Elon Musk got involved or something. It was weird. <laughs> wow.
2: He did. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So Elon th- like basically like called it out. And said this is really messed up, and they reversed. Right. Um, so um,
1: does two thirty apply to something like that? Can can they, as a publisher, deny someone publishing a book, or or does that count as the public square because it's someone's written work that they're submitting? Do, do you get what I'm asking?
2: Absolutely. Get. It. So let me get into this. This is kind of tricky, and um, you know, it, it just might sound a little uh, convoluted, but it makes sense. So. <laughs> here's the deal. Like the, the problem we have is that all these companies are private companies. Mm. And so they do have a right of association. Okay. So if just in a vacuum, if Amazon doesn't like Alex Berenson's book that they think it's misinformation or whatever in a vacuum, of course they have the right to not sell it or do anything like that. Um, court. So a lot of people have really tried to make the argument, without 230, like just taking 230 out of it, that these companies, because they're so large, are effectively um, what, what has been called in Supreme Court stuff, company towns, meaning that mm-hmm. they are, <laughs> essentially they're, they're public, like like that once a private company becomes so big and dominant that um, by, by their nature, they're public, and so then civil rights should apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, for the folks making that argument. I've actually made that argument too. Um, the, the courts have gone against that. I mean, they, they, they pretty consistently most recently in the Prager U case with, uh, um, against Google, like they've pretty consistently shut that down. Now I think that's bad jurisprudence because I do think that, um, the, the company town argument makes a lot of sense, but that's just not where we are. So we had to get kind of creative, um, to kind of like, w- develop something that was constitutional and work within the framework um, that we have. And so basically uh, because we don't have this like automatic, sometimes private actors are public um, Mm -hmm. standard. What we did was kind of mirrored it. So in our legislation, like it basically says like um, for them to receive this immunity, they have to act as if they are um, the public square. And, um, And so it's going to get a lot of hate when it comes out for that reason, uh, because people are going to say, well, wait a second. This is just, but, but we have that ability because this is a special immunity granted by the federal government. It's like a subsidy. Right. And it's, you know, perfectly constitutional to attach strings and the strings we're attaching are saying, you know, you guys have to act more like a public square um, with regard to speech and all that. So with Berenson's book, you know, in a scenario where, um, you know, our, um, our legislation was the law of the land, um, he would, they would be incentivized strongly to cooperate um, and, and just publish his book. And the reason for that is that, um, number one, Berenson could have a 230 case against them, and he might win it, and then he would get a set amount of damages. Or two, it could put their entire immunity at risk, and they're not going to want to risk that. So these platforms in almost every circumstance would err on the side of, uh, of, of free speech and free expression. Hmm. All
1: right, so uh, so one of the other questions I had thought about was, um, so company, like, you, you know, the old argument, um, and I have to admit that I was kind of under this maybe before everything started hitting up. So like my point, and I, I know I made this, I, I know with a different guest, and I had said something like, um, I don't I don't know what the answer is, but I I don't like the idea of getting more government involvement in, you know, the market. So that was, that was basically my my whole thing. And I know that's probably the most libertarian view I, I have at all or I did at the time. <laughs> and so, like, and that was the thing is like, you know, now it's a joke. Make your own Twitter. Go ahead. You know, make your own bookstore <laughs> What they're throwing at Berenson. Um, I think you tweeted that. That was really funny. But um thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've ever seen that. And um but so something like Gab or I'm seeing Parlour and I think like Dave Rubin made like some other one. So something like that that uh Bit BitChute too. Yeah, bit something like BitChute, like these ones that are
2: mm-hmm.
1: not market dominant. Um and it's funny because all those places that are alternatives it probably, I want to say like they don't need it because they're they aren't censoring people, right? Um, but like would they're
0: they? They're literally get, leveraging the castaways,
1: right? So would they get that? Like, do they, Would they rise to the market dominance? Uh, or no? Okay, so so would two thirty apply to GAV right now, or does it not? I, I guess
2: it would. It does, okay. and it would it would stay basically the same. So there is a scenario where um you could make a convoluted case that they were market dominant in some niche way right. um that's like for example if you tried to sue twitter right now under our if our legislation was law you'd basically have to argue that twitter is niche when it comes to is market dominant when it comes to news and narrative setting and stuff mm-hmm. like that which i think you could you could do i mean market cap wise it's not dominant right. um compared to the other ones but uh no the one the one side effect and and I have to acknowledge this is that um, you know, if if the major players were forced in a way or at least strongly incentivized to act more like public squares, the need for the other smaller competitors would evaporate. Right. right. Like I mean, there, there's this thing called, you know, network effects when it comes to social media where um people want to go where people are. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter like what your marketing team does. You can have a great product. I mean, you guys remember Google plus, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I mean like it was, yeah, it's you good. just like go on Google plus and talk to yourself. It's a nice little platform. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like the, the reality of it was like the biggest company in tech couldn't make a social media platform happen because yep. of network effects, because people were congregated on Facebook and they were like, ah. like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to, you're going to have that. I mean, this is why I'm not on locals or on, on any of these sites. Like, I mean, I, I guess that would be great if you just wanted to talk to conservative friends, but isn't that what WhatsApp and signal and all that. <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, so like, I, if there just isn't seemingly, you know, a point to it for me mm-hmm. or, or, for a lot of people. Um, so, so that is, that is an effect. I mean, like you could, you could make the, will it hurt small business in terms of them losing their immunity? No, could it eliminate a need that these um, alternatives are filling currently? Yeah, it probably could, but I think America would actually be like I I guess for me I'd trade uh, an internet where free speech and free expression is a thing for that. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, Dave Rubin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and I, I can't remember the other question. Oh, so this is a. Uh, I just want to dispel or one of the other things i just talked about about uh my uh, bringing more government into it uh so my idea was um like like i envisioned when people were saying okay we need to let the government reg you know before mm-hmm. there was any concrete like th- like the bill that you guys wrote which is like it's not gonna be this but like in my head was oh great so now we're gonna have to have like a new government agency right. that reviews every single tweet to make right. sure that it's not being censored like
0: it's called the NSA
1: right so that's <laughs> I, I you know like, yeah I, I pictured something like that where it would like read the uh, 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 just for example like post reach you know like so for my Twitter account like I don't have a lot of followers and I'll post something and I'll see, like, I get, like, 17 people that actually see it over the course of 24 hours. And I'm like, I know that I, I have more followers than 17, you know, by right, a, right. a significant number, not crazy big, but, like, I'll look at that, and so my idea, my, my head is saying, so is the government going to have to look, have some algorithm, read that tweet, and say other people that have the same amount of followers that you post at the same amount of time, blah, 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 and compare it to the... Post reach that I'm getting to make sure I'm not getting shadow banned or something like that. So that's not that won't happen. There's no, I guess in the, in that this ideal sense is there's not going to be some more government bureaucracy that makes sure. And mostly, I don't want them cataloging everything I tweet.
2: Right. So so there's there's two enforcement mechanisms here. The first one being the big one is yeah. is your ability to sue. Right. So so if they enjoy two thirty and are committing to the standard our legislation would give you the ability to sue for having, you know, protected speech removed from their platform. Um, it would be on you and your lawyer. I mean, I imagine these would probably come down as class actions for this reason, Mm -hmm. Um, but it would be on you and your lawyer to kind of demonstrate, um, using available data. Um, you know, you could do, um, I'm forgetting the legal term for it, but you know, where Twitter has to disclose a lot of their information too. Um, and you know, so it would all, it would all come out in court. And basically the you would be able to demonstrate, like, I mean, if that's true, what you just said, like that's absurd, like uh, a reach of 17, like, you know, the average account gets 900, like thousand per tweet. Your average is all the way down here. Like clearly, you know, some things that work here. Um, and you know, Twitter would have to explain that away or settle with you or what have you. The one element of regulation, I guess you could call it. Um, uh, we just felt this was really necessary to kind of, um, give course guidance. And that is that we have a kind of an FTC certification process that is admissible in court, but it's not, um, determinate. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like the court can choose to waive it. If the evidence in front of them suggests that it's not, not the case, but, um, basically like what it would do is, is, um, you know, allow Facebook and Twitter and Google and all these companies to kind of show the FTC what they're doing from an algorithmic standpoint, um, and demonstrate like, yeah, we actually are adhering to this. Um, if they don't have that FTC certification, I think they would probably be more exposed in court, especially if some of their competitors did have it. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of a, a thing, but I don't really see that as, I mean, it is kind of regulation, but it's not like, it's not a requirement by government. It's more like um, government kind of, uh, the, I guess the um, executive branch kind of, weighing in on something that could matter to the judicial branch in, um, in settling these lawsuits. But lawsuits are going to be the mechanism. And in this, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get attacked on it. Like, Oh, so you you just want the trial lawyers to have a field day. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with them having a field day. If, if, if the public square is going to, you know, not be, you know, um, protected. And so, I think that this is a much more conservative uh, enforcement measure than uh, anything else. And again, the other thing to consider in all this is that even though it's quote enforcement, like this is still optional, they don't have to receive this special subsidy from the federal government. And so, you know, if if, I don't think they would make this decision, but if they decided it was in their business interest to, you know, just say um, you know, we are, you know, I guess this is the word that it's a bad word. But we are publishers. You know, <laughs> we have the right to remove whatever content we want. Well, then they they would face some potential liability by not having two thirty immunity. But maybe they decide that that's the better route for them to go. Yeah. Um, so so that's a possibility as well.
0: So how how are the um what's the the response you're getting from these companies? Are you are they warm to this, or are they Are
1: they sending their their hitmen out to follow you around?
0: (laughs) Like, are we going to have to worry about, you know, getting taken out by the Google?
2: Uh, No, I I think they're kind of praying it'll go away, um, and that there isn't the support. I mean, they do have a pretty strong um, amount of Republicans uh, in Washington who are opposed to reforming us in any way. Hmm. Um, But that is slowly changing, and you know, that's why the president's CEO was so exciting Mm -hmm. is because when the president, I mean, he did this on trade, right? Like Donald Trump literally just came in, said Leroy Jenkins and, (laughs) uh, and, and all of a sudden we're a more anti-trade party than we were before. Right. And, um, you know, so that's kind of what's happening with 230. Like the president weighing in actually taking a more, um, I mean he's even said revoke it entirely. Yeah. Um, so he's taking a much more aggressive approach than us. (laughs) Um which I love, I mean, part of the deal, right? Yeah. But um but you know, I mean that helps. And so um answering the question, I mean, look, it's it's tough because Twitter Twitter obviously has made its position known. Like it, it wants to enjoy this immunity and um, you know, sway the election to make sure Biden's elected. Mm. Um Facebook I think at least is making a good faith effort to try to be more pro free expression. I think, you know, you can, you can make an argument like is Zuckerberg doing this out of self interest or like what's what that right play here. But I don't know. I kind of believe him that he, he sees free expression as a good thing. Um, well, there's uh, still plenty of issues with it, but
0: um, all, all the boomers are on Facebook. So he's got to, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. That's right. I was going to say, um, so, oh. go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say... I get really excited on this. <laughs> no, 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 I, I didn't want to keep uh, s- keep you rolling, but I was going to say, I actually, this is kind of an aside. I was told um, that someone that knew, uh, I'm not going to try to make it all convoluted, uh, try to hide what I'm trying to say by trying to make it more convoluted. I was told that uh, Zuckerberg is actually a lot more libertarian in his personal views, and he just gets attacked, Like, which I'm sure a lot of those big CEO guys maybe in their personal view, so I think I think he might be one of the good ones there, but at least considering uh, comparing him to Jack, I
2: think. I, so I have him. hope for Facebook because I, I'd like them to do all this without a need for, like yeah. I'd love my legislation to be unnecessary, you know, but like, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I do have some hope on Facebook, and, and like honestly, like they've been the company that's been most willing to, work with us and talk to us about our concerns and all that. And I think that's been true across the conservative movement.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Google is, ah, Google is a hellhole. Um, <laughs> I mean like, you know, and I think that they're the most powerful of the one of the social media companies in Washington. Um, and Google is the one that actually scares me the most because, mm-hmm. um, they have 90 some odd percent of search. Mm-hmm. And so they really do have the ability to just destroy ideas that they want to. Right. Uh- um,
1: Yeah. I was going to say like the perfect example of like, I I remember I was saying this during the election where they're talking about the Russia, like, Oh, Russia buying, uh, you know, spending $1.3 million or however little it was on ads or something like that. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay. Yeah. I, I use Facebook, uh, mostly m- more Twitter now, to actually get legitimate news, right? Or I, that's a good source of news that's curated the stuff that I like because of the base of pe- people I follow. Same thing with Facebook. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like, if I'm voting only on what I see in my Facebook feed, that's on me. You know, if I got duped because I saw an ad and I didn't know it was an ad, you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, come on, you don't give them that much um, power. But Google, they are the ones that can just completely make sure that the news of just oh. doesn't show up yeah. like i
0: manipulate like crazy
1: yeah and i was gonna say uh yeah already. Right. Well, well like last week
0: when i google searched jack buckby's books yeah it, it didn't even his newest book didn't even come up
1: right and i, I was gonna say like a, just as an example because uh, this is like what's going on maybe we can transition a little bit out of this thing if you don't mind i saw i, I just put po- it was this huge boomer meme it's so boomer but it was really good it said while your tv was f- filled with riots and looting uh it's on the second the third and the fourth hillary clinton went to court and lost her case rod rosenstein testified in front of the senate and 30 obama officials were subpoenaed in the obama gate and like that stuff people aren't seeing literally because of like google isn't showing that news so that's different than like some ad you know like you know what i mean like that's i i completely agree that google is the it's scary with them yeah
2: yeah i mean i think that that's that's the danger and like you know that's kind of what informs a lot of conservative discontent yeah um you know i've, I've talked to some folks who are like Well prove that they're censoring well it's really hard yeah i mean it, i mean it is like you can point to a couple isolated cases um, where they reversed their decision because it was a high-profile person being censored. So, like, it's hard for like, you know, like I have a friend who has a conspiracy theory podcast, that's not this one. <laughs> yeah. And um, and you know, like, I mean, he's been YouTube is like one of the worst offenders at mm-hmm. this, time. and you know, he gets his stuff demonetized, removed all the time, and you know, but he doesn't have the reach of like a Ben Shapiro, and yeah. so like, what's he supposed to do? And that's that's where I think they're really having the strongest is what are they doing to people who, you know, when they don't get caught, right? Yeah. And so, um, and so that's kind of like the motivator here. Like I just really, I, I think that conservatives have to fight back um, the, state, the, you know, the state of the country is in play. Um, we've mm-hmm. seen that the last week or two. Um, yeah. I, I, so to me, like the tech issue is honestly one of the most important issues because um, if free speech is, disappears, from the digital public square, then I just think we're going to lose the country to the communists. Like I really do. So that's kind of, that's kind of my motivator. And I'm very transparent about that um, because, you know, I didn't care about tech two years ago, but here we are.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say that totally has, we've been pretty open about that for the last two years on our podcast. We had that weird stuff happen, but all right. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, porn, what kind <laughs> of? No, just kidding. Rosie wants to talk about <laughs> I porn. I want to talk to you about porn, man. Uh, What's, but, your What's your favorite? <laughs> what do you think about this actress? No, but um, that was one of the other things that we had talked about before. And you, it kind of, it, uh, maybe this will be a good segue. You had talked about that this this the whole section two thirty was originally a part of an anti-porn legislation. So this does kind of tie in with that, but. Um, I know that that's another thing i mean obviously us as i think all conservative christians were were very anti-porn and you like you got attacked for that too since we talked i remember that you wrote that article that got slammed by ben shapiro and stuff he name dropped you but can you talk about that man
2: um so so the porn issue is interesting because um you know just all the things we've talked about we've been talking about free speech and free expression so the question of porn obviously comes up like, so do you want Facebook to have to have porn all over their platform? I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Well, so there's two things to that. Um, number one is that we we wrote this into the legislation, so don't worry. Um, the, the court, the Supreme Court um, in uh, 96, when they overturned much of this, um, kind of set bad jurisprudence, um, but kind of set the stage for, what you hear now from a lot of libertarians, which is that pornography is speech Um, and that, you know, it's not, it's obscenity and obscenity is not protected speech um, under the first amendment. But, but so that's kind of like this constant battle and there's obscenity statutes on the book um, that I think a lot of folks, including our group are really trying to push DOJ to enforce Mm -hmm. and it's not really happening. Um, But uh, you know, Ultimately, we look at the issue pragmatically, and we're like, okay, so what can we do to um, kind of shift the tide on porn? And the idea that kind of it was mentioned in the uh, the opinions in that case, and then also has just kind of been talked about is the idea of zoning porn, like really like putting a some sort of age verification in place to where kids can't access it. And so we dreamed up as part of this bill. Um, the president hasn't waited on this part, which is a shame, but I you know, I, I think that this is also a critical part of the bill. Um but we dreamed up this idea of, okay, what if we condition two thirty immunity on uh on age verification? So a lot of these porn sites are also engaged in user generated content. Right. Um and, you know, there's a lot of liability there because if you, you know, upload a uh I'm just going to be graphic for a second, but if you upload, you know, with your girlfriend doing something and, uh, and she doesn't even know about it. Well, right now she can, you know, ever take it down. Um, but she doesn't have any legal rights because, um, section 230. So we would like to do is, um, uh, impose these conditions. It would be on, um, you know, obviously the child pornography aspect, the criminal aspect is mostly there, but it would be on, on uh, this type of stuff and basically give people their day in court. And I think that's kind of like the underlying thing here is that like the platforms, as long as they're doing the right thing and kind of simulating that public square, but also like protecting kids then they don't have to worry about lawsuits. But if they're not going to do that, I mean like then, you know, like let's open it up. Like let's, let's, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, like, should Google, um, you know, if Google doesn't want to put an age verification thing in place and, um, some person wants their, you know, porn of them that they didn't approve of removed from their search engine. Like I think they have a case yeah. and so let's open it up and, and see what happens. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of the goal here. And, um, I think the effect actually would be much more, you'd see a bigger difference from the porn amendment than you would from the free speech amendment. So the free speech thing, I mean, overall, it would be very helpful, but like, for the most part, our speech is protected. Like, we're only censored once in a while right now by the big tech platform. I mean, they do it enough, but with the porn stuff, like, I mean, any 11-year-old with a smartphone can access the most built, you know, disgusting filter is on the internet. So yeah. um, so I'd really like to fix that. I think that would be huge for our country and really huge for kids, because it's damaging and, you know, our organization takes the position that exposing a child to that is no different than sexual assault. Um and, and so, you know, it's a really um it's an important thing that we need the platforms really. You know, so this may sound doing like, a better job on it.
0: this may sound like a stupid question, but don't doesn't porn sites have age verification already? When you not
2: not real age verification.
0: So what is so, what does that look like then?
2: So um uh, right now what they have is basically a lot of them have like a click through. Like you just say, I'm 18. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Um, and you know what you would actually, I mean, if we impose this kind of, this is a regulation where I, I, I made the case on the other, but this kind of is a regulation. Um, you would basically require them to employ some sort of third party ID, uh, yeah. site. Um, like right now, if I go to West Virginia and want to place a bet on the nationals winning the world series this year, um, you know, they actually, for me to get an account on one of those legal online gambling sites, they have to verify my ID and I'm in a system. Um, so see how that would work? I mean, the porn sites would innovate um, to comply with the regulations, but uh, because they, porn sites more than anybody need that 230 immunity. Oh yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> because otherwise, I mean, they, they would they would be done, even the the gigantic ones because I mean, I I can't imagine how many of those, uh, videos are non-consensual in some way. So, so, um, so yeah, so that would be the idea. And, you know, again, like, is there more I'd like to do to crack down on porn? Absolutely. But this seems like a really good incrementalist first step to kind of, um, to at least protect our kids and then we can worry about adults later.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, it's almost like, and I'm going to say this with, uh, people might say oh you're you know what I'm just gonna say it so it's almost like I feel like we we did a whole episode it was actually really long going into the porn stuff and uh so my my views on this is not not whatever but it's it almost seems like we want to make it uh, like even though the pornography of like the 80s or whatever was not as hardcore and, but there's still like the stigma of like you if you wanted to buy a porn dvd or they didn't have dvds vhs um you had to go to like the sleazy you know uh store down in a not good part of the area of the neighborhood or the city and you had to like you could have someone could be driving by and see you that you're buying it and it's kind of like you know dirty and you kind of i would imagine someone would there's some shame to it, you know, (laughs) to doing that. And it almost seems like doing this age verification, like maybe, you know, so I can hear someone like, oh wow, so now the government has, you know, this porn site has my, you know, my driver's license number and they can access the DMV and they know where I live. And like, they're obviously, they already now know, you know, what kind of porn you're viewing or something like that. But it's almost like, yeah, (laughs) I want people to like be tied to it. If you're going to have this degenerate stuff going on. Like, yeah, you know what? Like you should have to feel a little bit of guilt and put some skin in the game. If you want to keep doing that, you know what I mean?
2: Well, <laughs> you know. have to do that for any age restricted product you buy online. Right. Like, I mean, I, it doesn't that, matter if you're buying cigarettes or alcohol or whatever. I right. You no, know, a, lot, a lot of the time you're doing that through, you know, one of these, like, you know, like Amazon or something like that. And then, you know, they obviously have more of that info already on you. So maybe it's a little bit easier. I've actually never bought alcohol or cigarettes through Amazon, so I should try that, <laughs> what happens. But, but you know, look, I just think that uh, I, again, this immunity is an option. It's really right. weird that we're giving immunity to porn sites anyway. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's just really strange and not good. And maybe down the road, I'd really like to just get rid of it altogether. But like, we do. And unfortunately I think our country would be opposed to like a blanket porn ban or a blanket, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, attempt uh, to take out the porn industry. I, yeah. I know it sucks, but it's I think it's probably happen.
0: true. It's never going to.
2: So, 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 you know, let's take this step to at least like strongly incentivize these sites. We're still going to have sites that aren't in compliance. Um, but, you know, it would strongly incentivize a lot of these sites to kind of put it behind a wall. And I think the platforms, especially where you can get access to porn, so Twitter and Google being probably the worst offenders, yeah. I think they would have a very strong incentive to to do this correctly. And and, you know, if that can protect not saying if if it can protect one life. <laughs> but like I really think it could probably protect, you know, at least fifty percent, maybe more, of the kids who are, you know, subjected to this stuff now, maybe, maybe even more than that. And so, yeah. you know, I think it's something that's a reasonable thing for government to do, especially when it doesn't come in the form of an onerous regulation. It's more just, you know, a, a condition to receive a subsidy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think like overall, I mean, I think the, the important takeaway for all of this stuff is, uh, which I, I really enjoy. And I mean, is, uh, the way you guys are coming at it with this stuff is this is something that like is tangible that can serve like can you can still say i I like small government and leave me alone and you know all that kind of stuff and like still hold accountable all these people for like doing this stuff that is actually harmful and you know all this stuff so i think it's a really cool balance and you know it's important man it's it's good stuff yeah so and i don't think we're
0: yeah, I don't oh, think go ahead. I don't think anybody's dis- like when you back to to uh, when you're talking about like the censoring or or you know the removing speech out of, you know, the public platform, I don't think anybody's denying that that's happening. Like, I mean, didn't didn't uh, President Trump get like banned he on got Twitter? Yeah. Or something happened on Twitter. I or, mean, it's obvious there's bias, so they're not willing to Set that aside for free speech. So they they're gonna have to be they're gonna have to, you know, if they're gonna be a public forum, then they're gonna have to be held in some way accountable. You know what I mean? Like so.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that you know they might object to the public forum thing, but at least now they do because they're worried about two thirty. But you yeah. know, even a few years ago, it was branding itself, yeah. uh, talking about themselves TED talks headsocks uh, as a. You know, modern digital town square like that's all kind of
0: right.
2: And um, you know, they all know it. I mean, like, but, you know, I get the most pushback, and I think it's legitimate on some level. Is what well, if this regulation Say you're proposing or this amendment um, makes the internet worse than it is now? Like, what if you're, you know, one of one of the counterpoints that is often brought up is um, if you impose any sort of thing here. Um, then every single post will have to go through. It's like what you said, Rosie, like yeah. every single post will have to go through some sort of absurd approval process and all that. But I think that, I mean, there, there could be issues with like the porn regulation on that, right? Like, um, you know, I think the classic example that people would get pretty mad about is like a breastfeeding mom. Like, well, what if Facebook errors on removing a breastfeeding mom picture and all that? And look, I think that that's where there's always going to be gray areas with these regulations. And we're just opening it up to the court, just like every other industry out there right now. Sometimes you have a gray area, like potential to sue a corporation and the judge might just throw it out. And then if you get a judge that hates corporate, they might give you a shot at it. So, you know, we can't write a perfect piece of legislation. There's obviously going to be issues, but, um, you know, I, I I like our idea. I think it um, comes the closest to aspiring to the values that we should hold dear as Americans. I know free speech and free expression aren't all the rage anymore. Uh, we, we're really interested in just censoring every opinion we don't like. It seems like these days, but they should be. I mean, they're in our constitution. Um, they're all over, you know, the federal papers and mm-hmm. and uh, you know. So I I think it's um it's something that's really important, and I'm hoping that we um, are successful. Yeah.
1: Mm. I hope so too. Yeah. But, uh, so maybe, uh, I know we talked about this last time and obviously I, I was just thinking in this too, cause I remember you're the, uh, you made the case that, uh, well obviously it was October when we talked on here, the primary, uh, so do you, I don't know, I just feel like you have a really good insight. So, do you think, ju- I don't know, what do you think about the election, man? Like, are you, do you <laughs> think that these riots are, because I've just been seeing all this stuff and I just want to hear someone else's thoughts of his lack of action, Trump's lack of like law and order?
2: <laughs>
1: You're right there, um, man. Or, do you think <laughs> he's oh, yeah, going to win? Sorry. Uh, I do
2: think he's going to win. Um, I do agree that right now it's a dark point and it feels rough. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at in June, um, obviously, you know Biden is uh, very state, uh, so I, I get the concern. Um, it's certainly something like we've talked about a lot internally because we, you know, we have a super PAC like we engage in some of these elections and we're looking at where to go. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, where 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 my gut is. I really believe in the American people, and I think that once they realize who Joe Biden is and how he's going to be a pushover for these commies. Um, and you know, there's, there's no standing up. I I think the the rise are kind of exposing that the democratic party won't stand up to this violent, aggressive element, um, on their side. I mean, they're, they're defending it. And so I think once voters kind of like, are able to kind of connect the dots on that and the Trump campaign will have to do a good job telling that narrative. Um, this won't be as close as people think. Um, I, I just I, I, I'm I'm pretty confident that the president wins more electoral votes than he did. And I know that sounds absolutely wild right now given conventional wisdom, but um it just seems to me that uh you know, this isn't a communist country. It's not a country that like hates itself so much. <laughs> and um uh I just don't wanna maybe part of it is a is a false place optimism, but I'm not I'm not ready to give up yet. So,
1: yeah.
2: you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, obviously the the campaign's going to have to do a good job, but like, they really got to focus on this. But to me, the riots present, um, and you know, this this isn't to say like the death of George Floyd wasn't long. Like I think we all can agree like police brutality does happen sometimes and it's really bad. Like, yeah. I, you know, and, and it, there's, there's plenty of examples of it uh, happening, not just, Black people, and it happens across the board. And yeah, there's racism in this country, and we need to address that and try to get better every day. And all that being said, like America is not a racist country. Our mm-hmm. founding is not racist. Um, I would defend that to the death. Like, you know, so um, I, I just think that this is kind of a, I don't know, it's like a generational struggle. Like, this election is huge yeah. and uh, maybe even bigger than 2016 because the stakes seem more obvious. Yeah. yeah that this is like a fight for the heart and soul of the country, um, whether we want to continue to be America or whether we want to really start a new experiment altogether. And I think that's kind of what's being vocalized by um, the radical left right now. They just want to restart.
0: Do you, um, do you think that... So what's your thoughts on on... Like, I've been hearing people saying that because of the election, this is what they're doing. They're disrupting on purpose. Um, Do you think that this is contrived in in some way, like these riots? And, you know, because it went, like, when I look back at it, it went from this this is a situation of police brutality, and now it's like, you're white. You should feel guilty. It's like, wait, how did it go from from police brutality to now there's – systemic racism in our country that's like it just a- escalated so quickly
2: it's, it's that never let a crisis go away philosophy like and that's, that's defining of the left um and you know in rules for radicals like i mean this is this is what they do and and like i i don't doubt the sincerity of the protest in the beginning but of course, or, or at least of some of the protesters, right? Like, I yeah. mean, I have friends who who went and are mean well, and are you know hashtag Black Lives Matter, and you know on on, on you know that sounds good. Like, I, I get I get why people are just naturally like, you know, yes, Black Lives Matter. Of course they do, um, and not thinking about like the significance of like what group is behind that and what they're actually agitating for all right. that. Um, but, but yeah, there's, I mean, what happens with these, I mean, the Antifa infiltration of this has been really scary. Um, you know, the, the violent riots that are really, I think, just, just the opportunists, who don't really care. Um, maybe nihilists, but they, they don't really care about the, the issue. And then you have the, the folks who care about this, which are you know, protesting legitimately. Um, I, I, I think it's it's hard now to conflate it because like the protests have kind of enabled some of the violence and some of the, the craziness that's come out of it. But like I don't know. I just I, I think you try to be charitable and recognize that like hmm. there are people who are um who are crying out for, for they just feel like they're abandoned by the country and I think they've been misled in a lot of ways, but, but that's you know, it is true.
1: Yeah. Alright, maybe I got one more question unless, Turner, you have any others, and then we'll let you go. Um, <laughs> who do you think Biden's picking for his running mate? Because
2: mm. I think they want somebody who they
1: Who to be you, in the... the, the it, it cut off right when you actually said the name.
2: Oh. oh, I'm sorry. That would have been funny if I just talked about her for <laughs> a couple minutes and it didn't come through. Um, no, I, I think the pick is Kamala Harris um, because the left want people, the neoliberals have to understand that they're in their own little war right now. Mm. And they want to maintain control over the like leftist progressives. And Kamala Harris is the perfect little you neoliberal know, for them. I also think it's really possible. Biden doesn't even complete his first term. I mean, like I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but like, dude, he is, you not. Know, like, yeah. I mean, it is like, I've seen, I have seen clips of him 10, 15 years ago and he's like, this incredible politician who's just on top of his game, like, like likable, like he's brilliant on a lot of levels. I mean, wrong on politics, but, and now he's just a shell of his former self. I'm like, I have relatives who are going through this. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's, it's like it's, it's finility. Like it is a thing. It's not like mean or, or, you know, um, mean spirited to say that. Um, but, but that being said, so I think they have to, they have to be thinking like, okay, we got this. We're going to win. So let's make sure that we have somebody in there that we can control somebody who won't get too crazy cause they need the corporations. They want to maintain um, a divide between the rich and the poor. And they want this like capitalist system that benefits their, you know, people who donate to the democratic. I, I'm sorry, I'm really into this like leftist debate cause the, the, the communists really do want to get rid of income inequality. They hate corporations. They're, they're being sincere. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these party leaders are like playing to them, but then also like plotting like, well, yeah, but we don't really want money. Here, right. right. You know? And so, so they need somebody who will be a, a, huge for that. And I think Kamala Harris, top Mala, is the perfect, <laughs> perfect person for it. Um, and also because Joe's kind of, or Biden kind of, um, boxed himself in, I he's literally said he's going to pick a. Black female, right? And so you only have a few choices, and Kamala is probably the most qualified um, at, on their bench. I mean, otherwise you're looking at like Stacey Abrams, who's kind of like Palin esque, yeah. um, and then you're and then you have to go into like members of members of state and so it Doesn't really make that, but That's that's my money if I could bet, which I probably could, um, <laughs> which I should think about. Uh, but <laughs> I, I would go all in on on Kamala, I think she's the big
1: wow yeah yeah that's i would agree yeah (laughs) yeah they're still
0: still gonna lose though
2: yeah well dude i hope uh, so i I think so
1: yeah well i guess we'll wrap it up with this and uh since it's been a while um so dude thank you so much again for coming on and uh it was fun even though last time was a lot more fun because you were hanging out in here but yeah we will, uh, no we'll do it next time yeah yeah we'll do it next time. when all the when we won't get rated uh no knock rated for having more than 10 people in the house <laughs> right <laughs> and uh they'll shoot turner's dogs just because that's what they do that's right. <laughs> <laughs> even though they're like four pounds each <laughs> um but yeah man thank you so much um and i was gonna i'll talk to you soon but uh other than that turn you got
0: anything yeah hey john thanks for all the work you're doing man we appreciate it i i mean us personally are affected by what you're doing with yeah. this legislation so i really appreciate you know all your effort and the thought that you're putting into this and uh man just you know the last time you were on the show like you were on tucker carlson the next week so <laughs> i don't know where you go What, what's the next level for you up man where can you go from here
1: Uh, It's and what what he's implying is you came on the podcast and then obviously you blew up next week. That's what I'm because you're on the podcast. So
0: So I'm I'm basically saying you're welcome.
2: Producers, the Tucker producers must be listening to you guys for show prep. Like I mean, that must be so. That's what I assume anyway. Yeah. So I'll just keep uh keep doing this show and hopefully we'll uh, we get lucky. No, I appreciate it, guys.
1: Thanks for having me on. All right, (laughs) dude. Uh, yeah. I'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you next time.